What's up, Video Landers? I'm your host, Dr. Diamond Doug. A.K.A. Mr. Plaid. And with me tonight is Mr. Green himself. Mr. Mr. Miggity Mac. Quick reminder, you can find us on AdventuresInVideoLand.com or on our Facebook page at Adventures in Video Land. We are critics with attitude. In many of the AV podcasts, you'll hear some bad language. Like beep and boop and yeah. beep. Or the 272 F-bombs in the movie that we're going to talk about. But that's not really our style. So we're going to keep this, I don't know, PG-13, mild language. Artistic nudity. Yeah, just a crescent of a nipple. One side boob. Yeah. Also, spoiler alert, if you don't want tonight's movie ruined, pause the episode, watch the movie, and come back later with that t- said tonight. We'll be talking about season six Pantheon number... Uh, nomination number seven, uh, Reservoir Dogs. Nominated by Nate April Hawkins, guest voter, me, myself, Dr. Diamond Doug. Before we get to any of that, let's chat about Pantheon. Yes, let's. Mr. Green, Mr. Mm-hmm. Miggity Mac, mm-hmm. what is Pantheon? You know, Pantheon is a movie that hits on all cylinders. Acting, directing, script, score, cinematography, special effects, Essential viewing the X Factor. You don't want to forget about that. Basically, it's the best of its genre. So, there are nine mem- members on the Adventures in Video Land Council. Every three weeks, a council member nominates a movie. Everyone else votes yes or no. They write up their reasons in about a 500 word write up as to why. There's a guest voter, and there is a Facebook poll that counts. Totally as one other vote. So all that together is 11 votes. Mm -hmm. And each movie needs a two-thirds majority to get in, which is seven Seven. votes. Seven of 11. It needs seven of 11 to get in. And this helps filter things so that it's not just one person's preference. Right. But it takes a group's account. And there have been some great movies. Very, very good movies that have not made it in. And there are, uh, this season we've had... Uh, a number of movies come in because they we, the the council has nominated some pretty heavy hitters. Oh yeah, um, going down the list. Sure. Uh, Taxi Driver. Five of eleven didn't make it. Drive. Eight of eleven. Ding 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 ding. Iron Giant. Four of eleven also didn't make it. Do the right thing. Eight of eleven. They did the right thing. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Again, eight of eleven. And The Godfather. Haven't heard of it. Uh, <laughs> is that the one with? Uh, 11 of 11 oh 11 of 11 yeah Yeah. he has a clean sweep right there to get feather not the godfather 2 either just to be clear the godfather godfather um a little foreplay as we before we Mm. we talk about reservoir dogs i love foreplay so reservoir dogs uh for me is a movie that came out in 92, Pulp Fiction came out in 94, popularized uh, um, Reservoir Dogs kind of retroactively as people went to the video store to see, Mm -hmm. does this guy have any other films? And Mm -hmm. then we watched Reservoir Dogs, and it was cool. For me, 1992 to 1994, that represents uh, me, my senior year of high school, going into my freshman year of college, Mm -hmm. and Reservoir Dogs was a movie that was different from all the other stuff that I had ever really watched. Because right. it's kind of an art, indie, independent spirit film. Right. So here's the foreplay question for you. Is the thinking about, uh, are there movies that kind of hit in that transitional portion of your life that kind of changed how you thought about movies? Yes. And yeah. it's a, 10 years before yours. Yes. 1982. Yeah. Uh, a movie that changed completely changed the way I thought about movies was E.T. the Extraterrestrial. And why? You know, uh, I hadn't really... Uh, movies were just for entertainment for me prior to that. Mm-hmm. You know, It was like a, a way to Pass spend the time, time. Or, or to escape or whatever. And E.T., for whatever reason, E.T. got me to think of the structure of a movie more. Okay. The, although I had done plays and I understood the concept of a yeah. story arc and all that... Movies weren't that for me so much as just a, an escape to an alternate reality. E.T., on the other hand, for me, I could almost see the the the, the, the story arc. Yeah. The, 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 the acts. Yeah, the acts of the movie. And uh, it was something that I had never seen anything like it before. And to be honest, I really haven't seen anything like that since. Done, done that way. Yeah. Done that way. 
So there, it was it, it changed everything for there me. There was a couple of movies that kind of hit around that time yes. for me in my life. Reservoir Dogs was one where it was like this is this was a revelation. It was just unique and different. So was Pulp Fiction. Sure, Pulp Fiction but, was a big um, one as well. Yeah. But Reservoir Dogs was grittier, so it had even a more independent feel to it. And another um, movie that changed the way I thought about movies, and and I can talk about the Star Wars movies, and I think that changed. Uh, movies for a, the way a lot of people enjoyed movies or yeah. how deep they got into the characters. But for me, Highlander. When Highlander came out, it was right at the beginning of like, you can have a VHS player at home, you could rent one, you could, you know, we would rent a VHS player and that movie every two weeks while I was in college. Sure. And watch it and to the point where we recited the lines and we had drinking games to it. I hadn't done any of those things with a movie before. So that's that's a, a another, say, five to six years later in my life, um, five years probably, where I was at a different transitional period. And so now movies became even more of a way to uh, socialize and uh, get together with friends for fun. I would have to imagine that <clears throat> the same is going to be true for different people of different generations of different times is that there is some sort of movie that comes along that hits in a special way that catches an audience that changes your changes a perspective. Mm -hmm. um, this was certainly one of them that sure. did for me. So let's run down some movie facts on it. Uh, Reservoir Dogs rated R came out in 1992. Crime drama. Um... Quentin Tarantino directed this. This was his full feature film directorial debut. Mm -hmm. He wrote the screenplay with Roger Avery, produced by Lawrence Bender, a collaborator of Tarantino's, who also went on to produce a number of kind of gritty action movie and a, a number of Tarantino films. Mm -hmm. Cinematography uh, by Andres Secula. Uh, his debut cinematography... He did Pulp Fiction, also American Psycho. He's good a Polish movie. cinematographer. Really good movie. Edited by Sally Menke, who's a, uh, a Tarantino collaborator. Also edited Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, someone was just talking about yeah, that the other day. Yeah, Costumes, Betsy uh, Hyman, the uh, collaborated with Tarantino, also did A-Team. Production de design, David Wasco, uh, works with Tarantino, but also did Fifty Shades of Grey. So, okay. a little bit of a different <laughs> flavor. Uh, set decoration by Sandy Reynolds, who worked uh, with Tarantino and also did La La Land. Sound by Ron Bartlett, who, this was a fun fact, uh, and there's a number of other people, but Ron Bartlett did the sound for Blade Runner 2049. Which we just we talked just about. talked about and, and just made it into Pantheon. So this hit theaters in October 9, 1992, wide in the United States. It has a lean runtime of 99 minutes or 104 minutes, depending on who you ask about mm -hmm. it. Studio was Live America, Inc. and Dog Eat Dog Productions, distributed by Miramax. And who are some of the players in this? Well, of course, Sir Harvey Keitel, who I knighted yesterday yeah, good, just good for, for this him. podcast. Tim Roth, love Tim Roth and so many different things. Chris Penn, God bless his soul. Steve Buscemi. Uh, Lawrence Tierney and Michael Madsen, who's a real life, the character you see in the movie is actually Michael Madsen. That yeah, is you, him. You were telling me the anecdote of him on a talk show? Uh, on a radio show, in okay. fact. And uh, uh, he went on the show, and uh, long story short, uh, they were goofing around and, and making comments and stuff. And during a commercial break, he basically told them uh, that he was going to break all their fingers uh, and shoot their dog. And do other mean Maybe things pull to a them. Gun too? There was a gun involved, and then he walked out of the studio. <laughs> Fantastic uh, synopsis of the movie. This is from from IMDb. Oh, sorry. Oh. Side note. Also, everybody forgets he was the dad in Free Willy. Yeah. Why is he always the bad guy? He's not always the bad guy. No, just come in real on. Life. Be nice. Free Michael <laughs> Madsen. When a simple jewelry heist goes horribly wrong, the surviving criminals begin to suspect that one of them is a police informant. I don't know if they're right or not, but they suspect it. Yeah. We'll see where the movie goes from yeah. there. All right. Ratings and reviews. Uh, walk us down some of the ratings. Sure. IMDb has got an 8.3 out of 10. Uh, Metacritic, 79. There's 24 reviews there. Yeah. And that's the combination of a lot of regular critic reviews. Those uh, two are a little bit joined. lower than, say, The Godfather was last sure. time. By 10 points apiece. But so. Rotten Tomatoes has it as 92% with a 94% audience Which score. Which is excellent. Right? Letterboxd has 4.1 out of 5. And uh, Google's now pushing this uh, yeah. over when Metacritic. When you Google a movie title, uh, part of the information that it gives is like, 
Uh, it collects stuff from IMDb, Metacritic, Rotten Tomato. It no longer pushes Metacritic. It used to. Now it's pushing Letterboxd. So apparently Letterboxd is paying some cash for that to get into the search. Or Google owns them? Or they own them. I don't know. I don't know. But, um, uh, and the one thing that I found that Letterboxd was uh, better for was ease of finding the crew aha so like it, it it's got a little tab but it doesn't have a lot of extra stuff right. the imdb is got IMDb. just tons. and i got an imdb pro uh thing like a couple of years yeah. ago that just opened like it opened all Pandora's the box yeah. it was just like all the things all the little details you never thought about so uh rotten tomatoes uh read the high one for me sure um uh, Chuck Bowen from Slant Magazine rated as fresh as Tarantino's first film as both writer and director Reservoir Dogs indicates a remarkably fully formed cinematic sensibility. Kathleen Carroll on the other side rates it as rotten from the New York Daily News. Hmm. The exaggerated raw violence of Reservoir Dogs leaves one feeling cheated in the end. For this movie isn't really about anything. It's just a flashy, stylistically daring exercise in cinematic mayhem. Hmm. I wonder if she wrote that before she saw anything else in the <laughs> Tarantino know. universe. Because, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm not criticizing her in any way. I just wonder if that movie by itself, without having seen anything else in the Tarantino world, yeah. she doesn't, doesn't make as much sense. She probably doesn't have a lot of good to say about, say, any other film that he does. That Maybe so. Yeah. Maybe. So, Metacritic, give me the top. Ah, uh, well, uh, Rick Groen, the Globe and Mail in Toronto, from Toronto, gave it a 100. Reservoir Dogs sizzles. It's dynamite on a short fuse. You watch it with mesmerized fascination, simultaneously attracted and repelled by the explosion you know will come. On the bottom me. side, Terrence Rafferty, the New Yorker, hmm. Metacritic rates it as a 50. He says less than the sum of its outrageous gags and in inventive bits of business. The story is impressively bloody, but the blood is thin, and it keeps leaking out. Like my mouth does, because of oh. the orange that April gave us. We'll talk about the, the gifts that she yeah, gave she, us. Oh, the, we, we should do that real yeah. quickly here. Uh, Tarantino has all he can do to maintain the movie's pulse. Mostly he tries to get by on film school cleverness. A homemade pharmaceutical cocktail of illusions, pop music, and visual jolts. Huh. So this was, uh, he was not impressed with not the, impressed. with any of that. And as writing it for the New Yorker, I, I, I would have, I would have heard the whole thing in a whole different yeah accent, with, with the New Yorker. Hey, or, or maybe like the, oh no no uh, the hoity toity <laughs> oh yeah money Mister Moneybags. <laughs> I, I apologize. I mean, like maybe the readership of the New Yorker isn't yeah. like hey forget yeah. about yeah. it. No, like, the cinematic masterpiece was all sorts of hedonistically blah blah blah. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> Tries to get on with film school cleverness, a homemade pharmaceutical cocktail of illusions, pop music, and visual jokes. Visual. <laughs> All right, so the Hoi Polloi, 8.7 yep. Metacritic Hoi Polloi, the users gave it 8.7 with an 810 positive, 36 mixed, 19 negative. Mm -hmm. Give me the top end there. All right, so Samsar gave it a 10. Simply a classic. Great cast, great acting, and great dialogue. A gangster movie about a bank robbery. You don't actually see. You only hear what happened, and yet your eyes are glued to the screen every second of the movie. Might have been the dried blood that kept my eyes on the screen. I'm just saying. But, you know. So, uh, on the bottom end, we have somebody whose name is Galaxy... <laughs> Shut up. Stop laughing. You're going to give... <laughs> <laughs> you gotta I'm start. Sorry, I didn't read this one yet. No, I did this on purpose so I Jeez. could set it up. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> <clears throat> None of you heard any of that. Go back for a second. All right. So who made so it low? The next uh, one Mr. is from Mr. Plaid. Galaxy Quest for Life. Oh. Who uh, rated it as a one? And uh, his rationale was not as good as Galaxy Quest. <laughs> It's I Galaxy Quest, the, the number four L Y F. 
Uh, yeah, I baby. feel like this person is Wait. trolling. Wait. No, no, hold up. Wait. Hold up. I am positively titillating and I've been, oh. like, my nether regions have been cavitating oh. for the last page. You didn't even know that it was there. Guess. You but know guess. who's back. Guess, guess who's, who's back. back. Spangles back. <laughs> guess who's back. Spangles back. Spangles! Oh, so, Spangles. Let's, let's give him a proper reintroduction. <clears throat> Who's back? Spangle! Alright, Spangle. Spangle gives this an 8. Uh, certainly a very intriguing debut from Tarantino. It was a very unusual movie and is almost indescribable, but was very entertaining to watch. Tarantino did a great job turning the bad guys into incredibly sympathetic characters, and all of the actors did fantastic jobs as well. Very well done. So, there you go. Welcome back from your period uh, of uh, uh, of exile after Do the Right Thing, Spangle. Spangle. We missed you. We missed you. We missed you. Now, how about uh, some? Uh, a number of people, yeah, would have said that the uh, the characters did not become sympathetic mm. from the reviews and right, comments. Right. That, that the characters are, are kind of trash Even and also are a, a bit thin. Yeah. So, well, no. So let's look at the AV viewership. The, so these are the actual Facebook members. So we got some, on yeah. the AV Facebook group. So uh, starting mm-hmm. us off, Scott Herdliska says Reservoir Dogs is great, but if Taxi Driver isn't in, there's no way this <laughs> should be. I still vote yes. Good. How about Alicio Pasquale? He says. Yes. Yep. He He's said yes. So well written. He's Alicio, concise. Thank you. Some people would call it glib. I call no. it concise. Concise. Not yeah. even terse. No. 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 It is. It's. It is. No reason to, the to point. explain. Yeah. An answer where you're like, uh, yes. You yeah. didn't say the uh part. You just said yes. Yeah. It. It is. Uh, it, it's elegant in its simplicity. Mm-hmm. So. Trey Worsham. What did Trey say? I'm voting no, as there are two Tarantino films already in the Pantheon that, in my opinion, are far better than Reservoir Dogs. Okay, now you can have as many as you'd like, even if they're not as good as the oh, other ones. sure. But based on its own merit, if I mean, it should be in, it could be in. Sure. But if, Trey, you think that this doesn't uh, rank above, say, a 4.5 out of 5, sure. and have... The je ne sais quoi, the whatever. I don't even know what that is. Yeah, right? Uh, We'll have to ask a French person. Uh, That pushes it over the line. That's perfectly valid. So, uh, Josh McLaughlin. He's a prolific poster in the group. He is. He is. is. Uh, Said, oh, heck yes, this is one of the easiest recommendations you've made. Write up to come as soon as I can get it done. And he does write up a nice longer piece that you can read on your mm-hmm. own uh, 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 that's under in the comments underneath the uh, poll. Yeah, you so, can actually read all the write-ups from yeah. all of the, uh, yeah. not just the AV uh, members who are doing write-ups of their own, but also from the the uh, the council. Yep. They put yep. theirs there. Giselle, so, but- Giselle Butler said, cult classic, definitely yes. And J.D. Karlovich it does deserve it. QT's exceptional directorial debut that showed off his many staples, including non-linear story, riveting dialogue, amazing camera shots, and cinematography and music, plus a great cast all around. John Shippey says, so Tarantino just has a winning formula. Excellent script, great acting, Pantheon. Great nomination and an excellent excuse to watch it again. It was fun to revisit. It was, I gotta say. Receipts. So, you know, before we do receipts, let's just chat for a second yeah, about, about the wonderful box. The box. We, we What's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? So, uh, the council has taken it upon themselves that um, they don't have to. It's become a tradition, but, but it's, it's not required. A, yeah, they don't have to. No. But, uh, they have decided that whoever is nominating the film will drop off a little... Um, well, gifty. Yeah, gifty. We call them... Bribes. bribes. Yeah, yeah, they're bribes. Uh, now, our vote, our voice and votes don't matter. Well, so this time yours does. Oh, but, yeah. But the, 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 that's, a good, that's maybe why this box is so Wink, good. wink. So April no, dropped... No, this a, box is good because it's from April. Yeah, and she she very thoughtfully wrote us a... Uh, a book. A book. 
that went with it, a full-size, uh, full-page letter. Uh, I'm not going to read all of this because this is for us and not oh. for you, the listeners. It's for Mr. Miggity Mac and myself. Mm-hmm. But uh, there is... Um, it's a theme. There is a theme of connecting uh, about drinks are connected to who we are. And Tarantino's characters often drink right before the chaos ensues. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's that sloppy margarita comes just prior to Bud's untimely demise, Joe Cabot sips Remy Martin cognac, but with mo- with both Mr. White and Mr. Blonde mm-hmm. as he details a bloody heist. Uh, the time for a drink comes just before a time for violence, and there's almost an or- organic relationship between the two. So, for your enjoyment, I've procured some St. Remy Martin Brandy. She thought it was cognac, but this is okay. We yeah. like brandy. We like brandy. Uh, along with a few other items. And uh, so in the box, also, we have an orange, Mr. Orange. Blood it's orange. also blood orange. There's a for... Jones uh, cane sugar soda, orange flavored, orange cream. There's some ginger ale, just so mm-hmm. that we can mix, uh, yeah, mix little, that up. A little lightening the drink. Um, and uh, now and she, said, <laughs> she said if we weren't feeling the alcohol vibe, we could drink that on its own. But oh. No, we're totally feeling the alcohol vibe. Well, uh, we, like, we've been drinking uh, the cognac since the beginning. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. In fact, and then I also the there's some chocolate in there, and that's beautiful. Mm. And then there's, uh, because uh, of her... Uh, well... There's, because of her rainbow de guerre uh, yes. as a as a derby uh, as a derby skater, a derby skater Skittles McBoom Skittles so we have a package of Skittles in there as well which so, I was thinking about dropping a couple of Skittles in my brandy just to celebrate uh, Miss April and and uh, my favorite little pun in there is that I could talk your ear off if you let me and then she uh, went on so that's uh, let the chaos begin all yes. right yeah let's. So, thank you very much, April. That is wonderful. Also, uh, we'll just take a moment of just true honesty and appreciation, both Gary and I, and I'll speak for you, mm-hmm. is that we truly appreciate you as a person, and uh, and we've enjoyed getting to know you over the past few years. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we very much not only appreciate this gift, but we appreciate you. Thank you, April. So, thank you. Uh, I can't wait to call it derby, a derby match. That's going to be so much fun. <laughs> oh, that would be so much fun to get back to, right? Oh, my gosh. So, receipts. Would you like a little bit more? I, I am still now, solid pour, here. Let me oh, pour you on. some this of this. Little... Here, here we go. Oh, right. oh, thank oh. you for topping that off. There you go. Very oh, wonderful. Welcome. Let's hit this. So, Reservoir Dogs, 1992, 99-minute Tarantino movie. Had a production budget of $1.2 million. Domestic gross, 2.8. Worldwide, also 2.8. Average ticket price in 92 was $4.15. And there's a little thing that we do. It is uh, copyrighted, patented, uh, trademark, trademark, reserved. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's called the Butts and Seats Index. Basically, we take the domestic gross divided by the average U.S. ticket price to come up with how many butts were in the seats, basically. Mm -hmm. And we were just saying this might need to get updated once we get to the COVID streaming era here. But but as long as we're still talking about theater release movies, this one had a butts and seats index of 682,000. It's low. Normally we're talking in the millions. But remember, Tarantino wasn't unknown at the time. People didn't know his universe yet. And uh, as you said, Pulp Fiction retroactively put Reservoir Dogs. Through video. Yeah, on the map. Speaking of Pulp Fiction, as, com- as comparison, 1994, 154 minutes, uh, also Tarantino, of course, production budget was $8 million. They gave him a little free reign. Uh, domestic gross, $107.9 million globally, 213 Yeah. Average ticket price in 1994 was $4.18. So his BSI for Pulp Fiction was $26.45 million. More than... Two and a half times, three, three times the, uh, the 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 touchstone that we use. Yeah, the Fight Club standard. The Fight Club standard, which is which is seven point three million yes. butts and seats. Because Fight Club had seven point three million butts, butts and, seats. and seats. So we use that as a standard of measurement. Yeah, not that that was the best ever, but just as a, like a frame like of reference. Like how many Fight Clubs? Is this yes. movie and this is like three plus three, almost three, three and a half actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Inglorious Bastards. Uh, happens to also be a Tarantino movie. Uh, 2009, however, 153 um, minutes, and it was production budget of $70 million. 
Domestic gross, 120.5 million. Globally, 321.5. The average ticket price in 2009 was $7.50. So the BSI for Inglorious Bastards was $16.07 million. Not as many butts in seats, but a very, very successful movie nonetheless. So you, you take us away from the Tarantino track with the yeah. next ones. What is the rationale for the, the next movies you, you put so on the receipts? The So the next movie, uh, the rationale was that it was a, uh, uh, a, a kind of a, 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 a team of people involved. Or non-linear crime. Non-linear crime. Uh, shot in, a, I think, a similar way. Maybe not influenced necessarily. By Reservoir Dogs, but my gut tells me that there's some connect, some kind of connection. But it's a Brian Singer movie called The Usual Suspects. Very good movie. 106 minutes, or at least I believe it was a good movie. 106 minutes. Uh, production budget was six million. Domestic gross 23.3 worldwide. About 23. Same, so. yeah. Yeah. Uh, average ticket price in '95 four dollars thirty-five cents means that the butts and seats was five point three six million. So that does not reflect. How popular it is as a streaming movie. Yeah, but uh, and I it's, found somewhere I forgot to write them down. The, the the number of streams of the Usual Suspects is actually higher than Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, yeah. But but even so, this was so the Usual Suspects kind of like the Fight Club, right? Uh, uh, like Fight Club is a movie that found its legs mm-hmm. in the video store. Yeah. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, so, Inside Man, Spike Lee, 151 Minutes, came mm-hmm. out in 2006. Uh, the reason of this is another crime movie. Crime movie, a lot of, uh, you're not sure what's going to happen, who's going to, you know, make it through, if anybody's going to die, what's, you know, who's really behind it, kind of a thing. Production budget, $45 million. Domestic gross, about double that, $88.5 million, with a worldwide take of $186 million. So, it made money. Mm-hmm. Average ticket price in 2006 was about $6.55, using the box office mojo numbers mm-hmm. for average ticket prices. And the BSI, then, calculate that. That out is thirteen point five million. So, uh, what else do we have here on a comparison? So you gave me snatch. I did. Snatch. I, I and, and I have given you snatch a time yeah. or two, but this time it actually made it. I was the not thing. expecting snatch, but it was a little <laughs> bit extra on the end. But if you think about snatch, yeah, and how it's put together, right? It's yeah. a non-linear. Yeah. Uh, it is a crime-based. Uh, I'm talking movie. about snatch. Oh, I'm sorry. We're still talking about the... Yeah, no, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> 2006, 104 minutes. Guy Ritchie, it is a crime movie. It's about a diamond heist. It's about a diamond heist. Sim, same as Reservoir Dogs. Uh, it's a little bit different scenario. A failed, horribly, horribly yeah. failed heist. Production budget of $8.5 million. Domestic gross, $30.3 million. Worldwide, $83.6 million. It, so Definitely financially uh, Ten uh, times successful. the return. Yeah. Average ticket price in 2006, we talked about $6.55. Mm-hmm. So, this hits at 5.36 million butts and seats, the same as, the usual, as the usual suspects. So, one thing that I noticed here is that there, uh, that some of the crime dramas that are uh, Amero-centric yeah. crime dramas right. don't make money overseas all that much interesting right because we've seen this we've seen this trend uh that there are certain movies that just didn't do anything abroad oh, yeah like they'll say domestic taxi x. driver <laughs> internationally <laughs> also x yeah yeah right <laughs> so it's just a and i'm not sure of all the reasons but but you know, we can make some conjecture. We on could, that. we could, and I, and we did, we did compare to three different Tarantino movies for a reason. Yeah, uh, Reservoir Dogs being number the first, and, and Pulp Fiction being its follow up that kind of reflected back. But then, you know, where did he go from there? Which is why I thought Inglorious Bastards made some sense. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. There you go. So uh, I pulled some excerpts as we go into our deep dig section. Deep, deep dig. dig. I pulled some uh, selections and excerpts from April Hawkins' 1,360-word treatise on the film. Is that how you pronounce that word? Yeah. It didn't, Not it didn't have to be that long, but she definitely made it very oh, long. No, she so, did well. But it was, a, it, it was, a, it was a, a good write-up, and I encourage you to read the whole thing. But here's some excerpts from it. Reservoir Dogs, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino in his feature-length debut. I love a well-done independent film, Reservoir Dog. 
Reservoir Dogs is my favorite Tarantino film. It's a film that has style, substance, music, and a great story to tell. Now, granted, the first time I watched the film, I didn't like it. It took me watching it a little older, uh, a little more mature, a little more cultured to appreciate the script, action, tone set by Tarantino in his full first real feature film. Reservoir Dogs happens behind the scenes in movies like The Godfather does as well. Uh, now, some people might question why this movie deserves Pantheon when there's already two pair Tarantino films in Pantheon. The simple answer is, uh, and Reservoir Dogs is the film that started it all. Without this film, we may never have had the chance to watch Kill Bill, Pulp Fiction, Django, and I'm adding other ones. Yeah. It wasn't until Tarantino's success in 1994, Pulp Fiction, that people really started appreciating Reservoir Dogs, but it did set up uh a lot of things for him in his cinematic universe mm -hmm. uh reason number one she goes through reasons uh it's a heist movie with no real heist number two the dialogue it's rich script full of quick wit banter underlying intense themes number three the soundtrack like any good dj tarantino uses music to make us feel more four and five costume and sets you have to do a lot with an independent film with a small budget and be creative. And they did, like the suits that they wear while they're walking. Mm -hmm. Iconic. Or the locations that they use. Brilliant. And the sixth and final reason, color-coded names. Uh, what a better way to make continuity, uh, to continue the ambiguity than to give the characters names of crayons, not even their own real names. Uh, and then she tells some puns and jokes mm -hmm. and says all jokes aside, it's been 29 years since its release in 92 and it holds up as an iconic and groundbreaking film. Reservoir Dogs doesn't have to be your favorite Tarantino film, but Reservoir Dogs is Pantheon. So that's what she had to say about that. There was another, there were some other things that she went on to say in the list, but I'll encourage you to go ahead and read the rest of that. For yourself. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Miggity Mac. Mr. Green. Yes. Yes, Mr. Plaid. Uniquenesses and By the way, Plaid Crayon. Plaid. Excellent choice, sir. Yeah, well, I would know. have gone with purple. Plaid. But I think plaid makes sense. I was going to go with Mr. Don't Gray. Wear <laughs> or taupe. Or mauve. I was going to say maybe Mr. Yeah. Toehead. It's mauve, but I always like to mauve. say mauve. <laughs> mauve. Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, maybe some uh, aubergine. What color is Eeyore? It's not exactly gray. Yeah, like an olive drab. Yeah, so we have a friend who we would, <laughs> who would call Mr. Ooh, olive Drab. Oh, here <laughs> we, we love go. him, by the way. So, uh, uniquenesses, challenges, insights. So tell me about this film. Like, uh, You can start where, where you'd like. Challenges, uniqueness, insights, anywhere yeah, on the list. I think one... The, it, it, I, I will jump to challenges for me. I, one of the challenges of this film is that if... I could just take myself back to not knowing anything about sort of Tarantino's filmmaking, storytelling style. Going back and trying to watch this movie from the beginning, and even April made a comment about this. I don't remember whether I liked this movie or not the first time I saw it, but I can imagine if I had no concept of Tarantino's style, yeah. this movie wouldn't make any sense to me, and it would just feel like gore and violence for the sake of that. And uh, I think that is a big challenge. For this movie that you have to understand that the gore and violence is like the music it just tells part of the story it adds flavor and color and it's not specifically the purpose of the movie it's just what that person would have done yeah you know when Kaitel comes in and they're like oh and he tortured him and he cut his ear off and Kaitel's like that guy right there <laughs> and just takes him out or Chris Penn. Yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, Chris, Chris Penn. Penn my bad. When yeah, Chris yeah, Penn yeah, does yeah. that, he's like, you know, that's what he, that's what that character would have done. Sorry, Chris Penn's character. Uh, when he does that, what that's what that character would have done. You know, uh, it's not about just an uh, an excuse for gore and violence. Uh, some of the gore, though, uh, doesn't make any sense. Okay. The the cop who bleeds for an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, gushingly, and is still awake, alert, and alive. In a pool of blood at the yeah, end. Yeah. Um, uh, I always has me scratching my head, but it's a part of the story. Yeah. You know, he refuses to die. Like, like in a kung fu movie where somebody's flying through the air while they're kicking. Sure. There's no way that a person would do that. But, but this movie feels like it tries to be grounded 
in a reality rather than stretching a reality. Yeah. But there is there are some elements where like I was the last this past time while I was watching, I was like, he's he's bleeding a lot. Yeah. There like was it, blood all there's over blood over the, the car. car, and that's not even that's that's nothing to do with the blood that's all over the floor of the yeah. the uh, warehouse that they're yeah. in. Yeah, right? so I feel like another challenge of this movie is that there are times when I thought and I felt like it was edgy for the sake of being edgy, uh, particularly with its language, with how it discusses uh, black people or African Americans that Women. that. Uh, women like that there's times where it really I, it's not it's not that i don't think that people didn't talk like that at any point in time but there are some times where i was like are you just doing this to make this edgier yeah and it, like i question the motives yeah. of, of tarantino um the uh what what i'll say at the outset is that um, that I think this is a very good movie, but I don't think it's a perfect movie. There are elements here and there throughout, mm-hmm. and I think that this is a challenge that other people will, will, who are council members will have to deal with when they're looking, is to say, are there enough little black marks as they go through to make it drop below the level Mm. of that 4.5 out of 5 or whatever metric that they use like um we'll go down this list later but just for example uh, i like some of the stuff that chris penn does but there are times where i'm like you're the weak link here you're hamming it up in a way that is not like it's taking yeah. me out of the film yeah honestly i kept seeing I, I, chris i like i like chris penn's work I I think that we lost a lot when he died. I really do. I believe that's true. But I had times where I was just pulled over to his his uh, his uh, hayseed character in Footloose, and I'm like, it's the guy from Footloose with no cowboy hat sometimes wearing a track suit. Yeah. Uh, so and the, and there are other things. That's how I felt. There's sometimes. other things throughout the film that have these little things, but I think it's a, a challenge. I, I think yeah. one of the challenges is kind of this kind of like. Are there too many? Yeah, it's a gritty film. Yeah, it's independent. Yeah, it's not as polished right. on all the fronts. But are there? Are those little pock marks? Do they add up to be too right. much? Well, and, and here's something that I think is both a uniqueness and a challenge. A uniqueness here is that this is Tarantino. You you can't walk away from it. This is Tarantino's directing debut. He is starting to tell this starting to color in all the corners, reveal all the pieces of this universe that's in his brain. I invi- I don't know that he actually thought the whole thing out, but in, in my mind, he has this huge universe and he's going to show us this one corner. I think that's a, a uniqueness to it, right? And it's we're starting to see his style. However, it's also a challenge because you can look at this as a gritty crime drama, as a heist movie, as a character as a, study. Character, but you can also say it, its genre is Tarantino movie. Yeah. Is it the best of its genre? Yeah. And if it's not, then it's not painting. Now, the on. logic of that statement there is that the best of its genre would only allow one Tarantino Th- that's, movie. That, yeah. It's, it's, but but I would say that you could say that these three are the three best Tarantino yeah, movies. Yeah, like, so, like the, this but is even the package so, deal yeah, of the yeah. top. Yeah. But, but even so, uh, I think that if you look at it, and I put it next to some of the other Tarantino movies that I think are better, then I would say... In that one category, the genre being Tarantino universe mm-hmm. movie, it's not in the best of the Tarantino movies. It's yeah. still a good movie, though. And yeah. there are Tarantino movies. I was I couldn't remember the title of it just now, but uh, on the way driving over here, popped up and popped in my head. There was a Tarantino movie that I just did not like. Jackie Brown. No, I, <laughs> I no, it's not that. I or Hateful Eight. Maybe no. These are on the. I mean, Jackie yeah, Brown is like a polarizing kind of downside, one. Yeah. Hateful Eight doesn't ever get on the it's top. Weird, of but somehow lists. they made a TV series out of it too. Really? Yeah, like a multi-part series. Like Reservoir Dogs for Kids. No, more like Saturday. Hateful Eight, including all the stuff. You know how they did the Snyder cut yeah. of that one movie? Yeah. This would be like if they made the the <laughs> Snyder the, the the Tarantino cut of the Hateful Eight, but it was. 17 hours long, so they made it, you know, a multi-part series on the Netflix. 
Anyway, so uh, I'm just saying uh, I don't think it's in the top, right? So now, I think I'll, that's both makes it both a uniqueness and a challenge. So, and I'll circle back to the thing that we chatted about at the very beginning. One of the, it's not, uh, I won't call it an insight, but a uniqueness of this film is that it changed everything. Not, I mean, that's too hyperbolic. That's a lot. But, but it, it changed the, like, the introduction of Tarantino into the the film world changed a lot. Yeah. And this is the first step into it. And he did it on a shoestring budget. And even with having almost no budget at all and being very indie that it was done successfully. You know, and like, there's some things that I like about the Tarantino universe where he takes things that we know happened for real in history. Yeah. And he twists them to the way they should have been. Yeah. Killing Tarantino Hitler. World. Yeah. Killing murdering. Yeah. Mil- uh, the Manson. Like the, yeah, some the of the Manson, Manson followers. Never happening. Yeah. Instead, the, they went to the wrong house and get taken out. Uh, in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like Django, those, Django, Django re- leading yeah. a revolution, yeah, leading, yeah. yeah, and him taking, yeah, those kind of things that they're cool, and I like those elements. Those are not in, as far as I know, that's not in Pulp Fiction. I don't remember anyway, but it's definitely not in here. Or if it was, I didn't notice it. It's not a, not a subversion of the historical. No, uh, and I like record Tarantino does that. Yeah, I think that's yeah. cool. So. Um, Walking down the list here, sure. acting and casting. How'd you feel about acting? And I casting? think it was a. I, I think the casting was good. I think the acting was mostly good. I think it was there were some mixed bags in there. Uh, the big bad, uh, Michael Madsen. Uh, uh, no, the 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 boss man, Joe. Joe yeah. Uh, I remember that actor from a number of movies. I just don't think this was his best. Okay. Um. I, I did I read somewhere this was. A last or an one almost, of the last, maybe I don't know. Made. Yeah. Anyway, I may, I'm even wrong about that. And and we already talked about Chris Penn. There weren't that many other people in the movie, you know. Yeah. Um. So you know, basically, it was this character study of this group of guys, and then the Steve Buscemi, who did yeah. a great job and yes. kind of won the Independent Film Award for I Best Supporting him. Actor. Uh, Harvey Keitel is in there. Yeah. Now you like him better in, in as the Mr. Wolf as Mr. Or Wolf in Pulp Fiction. Yeah. Uh, and I like him still in this one. I do like him in this one. Here's a weird thing: like they had common characters and storylines and and references to characters from Pulp Fiction and and Reservoir Dogs, and yet they used the same actors in completely different characters between the two yeah. movies. Yeah. And some of them might weird. be the same, and some of them might be different. Like, might be. St- like Mr. Pink might have been the waiter. Later maybe. on, maybe or not, maybe Harvey uh, Keitel was definitely not the same no, character. No, but they were in the same restaurant. Yeah, uh, that restaurant. They were two two different scenes. Drinking in the, in the, the cup, restaurant. same sort of same yeah. from Big Kahuna Burger. Yeah, yeah, and and that was the that was the restaurant where the where the yeah. the the, uh, the robbery was taking place. Same restaurant. Yeah, not only same restaurant in the storyline, physically the same restaurant yeah. shot in right. Um, the that uh, that uh, Madsen's character, Michael Madsen, was supposed to play. John Travolta's character in Pulp Fiction and uh, I think chose to do another movie. Yeah. And so they brought in uh, 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 Travolta and made him the brother of the original yeah. character. Uh, which just just launched, relaunched Travolta's career into the stratosphere. So I'll say, uh, for me, acting and casting, top notch with a couple of little marks, Chris Penn, mm-hmm. meh, there is the one line, stop pointing the gun at my dad. Yeah. I like that line. Yep. But the, the other stuff, the wrestling with His Vic. His interaction with the wrestling with Vic was That was weird. dumb. And even it felt like, it felt uncomfortable. It felt like they, it almost felt like but they improved it and the guy playing Joe was like, Kudos to Tim Roth who had <laughs> sure. to play in pain writhing the whole, the whole time without movie. being a cartoon character. Yeah. He uh, has that squeaky voice of his yeah. though. That's so it's like grating. Tim Roth. It's so grating, and 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 it, it went on. Yeah, I actually turned to my wife and said, "My God, I wish he would stop doing like, that. I hope he bleeds out. <laughs> I forget. Does he die now? Uh, anyway, the uh, and I'll say this is the uh, I while I 
give kudos and uh, you know props to Quentin Tarantino for showing up in his films. He's sure. always the weakest link <laughs> when it comes to acting. But yes. he, but he's the director, so he gets to do it. And, but he made a good choice. His character died off screen, out of the storyline. Yeah. You saw him at breakfast and, and I think, never again. I think Mr. Orange shot him in the head. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, like Because he, he's standing next to him that the other people are firing, and then all of a sudden he's dead with it. Yeah. Um, Directing and editing. How'd you feel about that? I thought they did a good job. Yeah. I liked the direction. I liked Tarantino's work. And I think the editing was done well. I can't think of a whole lot of scenes that were like, just really extra. No, Maybe in the car, the whining in the car went on a while. But he was trying to set the reason why Keitel's character yeah. was was like so bleeding heart, literally, for everyone. Like yeah. He wanted to take care of them all. So I, I think, yeah, and the non-linear nature of it, that's, yeah. that, that goes into the directing. I thought it was cleanly cut. That um, there were times, and this kind of will go to cinematography, sure. that the, the, direct, the, the direction of the shots and camera placement and that sort of stuff could have been done more smoothly, pulled back, giving grander shots. But because Tarantino was young enough that I don't think that he had all the tricks that were... Mm. Like, later on, he's developed a bunch of tricks of the trade and knows what he's looking right. at. But here, his he was working with limited tools, intellectual tools. But also a budget, too. And, mean, a, like, and a limited budget. a very small so budget for this movie. It, it's not a major pockmark, but it's no. just like, it could have been more. Yeah. Um, so, uh, screenplay and story. I thought the screenplay and story was solid. Uh, I think there were some elements that weren't explained well, and there were some things that we were supposed to pick up on, like all the coffins and the reason why they were wearing black suits and that sort of stuff. Uh, I, I suspect that those could have been maybe, oh, maybe explained more. I think it was I not explained at five all. times before I realized they were dressed as pallbearers. In a, in a room full of coffins and maybe that was how they were gonna or corpses or whatever yeah. Yeah. and there was a well and there was a there was a hearse most of the coffins were vertical I think yeah kind of trying to tell you that they were not occupied or something yeah. but uh, some were still wrapped in paper you know like they're brand new yeah um, but I, it, I, but my wife watched the movie with me and I think that was probably her third or fourth time and she had never noticed yeah, the coffins or the hearse before yeah. even though he's sitting on the hearse yeah like drawing attention to it directly nope. for like at least yeah. five minutes, right? Cinematography and locations. You know, uh, the two main locations for the story are the diner. Yep. I know there are other locations, but it's the diner and the warehouse, you know. Um, th those are, you know, I don't know. Those are just the main locations. There was other stuff. So in my head, when I think of Reservoir Dogs, I think in the warehouse and that's it. Right. Like it's a fishbowl episode. It's got to be 80% of the movie, right? And while there is a bunch that they're in the warehouse, that it's not as locked in the warehouse as my mind wants to label it as. Because right. we go to the car, we go outside, we're, we're in, in the diner. We're in Joe's. Twice. We're in the diner. We're in Joe's office. We're, yeah. we're here. We're, we're in the we're, Batman's We're room. running down the street. We're, yeah, we're in the club. We're, so there are shots. They're, not, they're on a budget. Yeah. But there are there are places. But you know, I think it's serviceable. I think the cinematography is serviceable. I think the location of the warehouse is clever. Sure. And having that, having the whole movie, having most of the movie stuck in the warehouse, but yet it's still engaging, mm -hmm. is is a that's a feat. It's a good. But yeah. that's a director's feat. I think that's a budget trick. Yeah. Score doesn't have a score. Has a soundtrack. It has a soundtrack, and I like the mu the music in the soundtrack. Yeah, uh, I like all the music in the soundtrack. In fact, I can't remember a song in the soundtrack that I either didn't know or would didn't hear it and go, "Oh, that's a good one." But you know when something crappy is about to happen because the music comes on. Because the music comes on. You know? So um, I, I was looking through, and Jeremy Clifford had written uh, his, and he was expressly uh, expressing. That uh, he did does not like when movies telegraph their motions through soundtrack, mm -hmm. and he wanted it to have a score because this movie would have done well with with music, mm -hmm. like scored music, um, and he just didn't resonate with it at all. Got it. I 
I didn't agree with the point, but I thought it was interesting. I love the music. I bought the soundtrack. I had I, it. I played it. I, I had love the soundtrack, it. And, then yeah. I digi- and I digitized it, and it was on my all, ever, the whole sequence of different MP3 players and but stuff. I, it's probably still on my phone somewhere. But I do understand uh, why somebody would feel that way. It's I like, actually agree with his with And his it's point why on sometimes people uh, crap on Tarzan. Sure. The movie, you know, Phil Collins yeah. is singing... As, as opposed to all the other Disney musicals that they've done before where the characters sing, mm. now we've got Phil Collins singing and really telegraphing the story. Yeah. Um, so, uh, special effects, notables. you got to say, the, the violence in the movie, well, some people will crap on the violence in the movie, there's too much violence, whatever. It looks real. Yeah. It looks real. Also, uh, and this is a camera shot that, like, I'm pretty sure at one point I remembered the ear getting cut off, but it, yes. but it, but never using it. Hitchcock style, yeah, you saw his back. The camera moves away, and then only later on you do see the you get glimpses of the gory yeah. side of his head. And I paused it and looked, and if you pause and look, you can see that it's a prosthetic on the side of his oh, head. Oh sure, but it doesn't matter because you have to pause and look. Like in the storyline, as the camera pans past or looks at the side of his head just for a few seconds. You see all this gore, and his ear is clearly not there anymore. And that is the scene in which Wes Craven walked out of the, the <laughs> filming or the screening of it. And a guy ran out to Wes Craven and said, what's wrong? Why are you leaving? And he's like, I, I, I just I can't put up with it. I can't watch the torture. And the guy said, I just scared Wes Craven. And it was Quentin Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, notables. Some things in there that I think are really cool. Uh, some people comment on the costumes, uh, the the black suits, uh, the 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 one Chris Penn wearing the track suit, but the black suits uh, and the reason for them, which you have to guess. Uh, uh, I think that was like a really cool choice that they made to kind of not just to tell a little bit of the story that they kind of don't tell, but also. To make them generic so that their names, the generic names, they're all wearing the same suits. You know what I'm saying? Like, Chris Penn would have looked way different in those suits because he's not a skinny dude. Yeah. You know? And so, you put him in a tracksuit. Like, those kind of things were on the money for me. I, I consider those notables. I consider the fact that they did the, uh, the, uh, 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 open the trunk and it was going to be like almost like a uh, like maybe they did the MacGuffin the was going to be the, there with the uh, with the pulp fiction yes, the case except it was the cop yeah yeah so, but that's but that was cool I mean I like I like that kind of little tricks uh, I also didn't expect the bloodbath at the end the first time I watched it, I didn't expect the, the bunch of them just to basically kill each other uh, so you know that was all those were all good notables he did some he did some cool pieces with his choices or he did some cool things with his choices. To mess with us. Another reason why I picked the usual suspects as a comp because of all the little twisty stuff that happened in there too. Yeah. So, uh, X Factor. <clears throat> this may not be popular, but uh, because I didn't get to Reservoir Dogs until after some of the other Tarantino stuff, I didn't. I don't see <laughs> the X Factor there. Yeah. And X Factor is huge for me. Yeah. Because and I. You know, like people like will have conversations with Brad or other people who talk about nostalgia and this and that. And um, I can't separate myself from my feeling of this film, of just connection to it because of the place that it hit in my life. In your lifetime. And I also think, on top of that, beyond just only that it's nostalgic, that I have a nostalgic connection of that this movie kind of opened me to a new type of film that I would watch and how to think about films, I still think it's a good film. I think it's a good film. Like, I don't think it's a perfect film, but for me, that it kind of sits on the fence. Right. But the X Factor, for me, is very positive. Okay. Yeah. Uh, This won 12 different awards, 23 nominations. I didn't mention the... Independent Film Award for Steve Buscemi, but it also got some other things for screenplay uh, and this and that. I'm sorry, I gotta say, Steve, what? Buscemi or Buscemi? I, you know what? I'm hoping that I'm being corrected that it is Buscemi, but I've always said Buscemi. But you know what? I don't actually know 
someone should jump on AV and clarify this for me right now that it's that it's that it's one way or the other. But I've I've heard you say his name that way. I'd never heard someone say that before. So not ridiculing you in sure. any way. Well, I'm a little bit. No. Just a just a tiny not like even a, a like scotch. a scotch. Not even like a, a scotch. Just like not an a iota. Drip. Like a jot. Not even maybe a tittle. A peck on the cheek. A tittle. Not even a pinch on the butt cheeks. Nothing. I just don't know Steve how to say his name. name. Steve Buscemi. Yes, that's the way it would be said in Italy. Steve Buscemi, because C in Italian is pronounced like C-H. That's it. Steve himself Steve says Buscemi. that he does not pronounce his own name this way, but he pronounces it rather Steve Buscemi. Steve With an S. Buscemi. That's a third way. <laughs> not not Buscemi. He's Buscemi. He says Buscemi. But not Buscemi. I, I said Buscemi. He says Buscemi. Buscemi. You say Buscemi. What do you want to matter for you? What, what are you doing? <laughs> Next thing you're going to say, it's 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 Joe Pesky or something. I don't even know. Jeez Louise. I don't know. Well, so, that was clarified. Um... The uh, in the film, there's a couple of moments where like uh, Harvey Keitel is talking to Steve Boo uh, in the mortuary embalming room, and there are behind him containers that are pink, white, and uh, orange. Yeah, that's and it's true. a fun little moment right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, there in in uh, there was uh, some round robining that was happening with the characters. Tarantino wanted to play Mr. Pink uh, with producer Lawrence Bender as Nice Guy Eddie. Buscemi, 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 Buscemi was later considered for Nice Guy Eddie, but ended up playing Mr. Pink, a role from which Mr. Madsen, Mr. Blonde, auditioned Sam Jackson, and Ving Rhames almost played Holdaway, the cop Tim Roth, Roth works with. Robert Forster, who later appeared in QT, uh, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown, auditioned for the part of Joe, which went to Lawrence Tr- So there was a lot of yeah. like, switching around. It's like a blender. Yeah. It's like the, you throw all the characters in a blender and uh, they all come out the bottom. So uh, I, I think, based on what's all here, that the ending decisions for these characters was correct. Yes. Yeah. I really do. I think that Madsen, as Mr. Blonde, was... As close to, I, I mean, I can't even imagine. And Buscemi is Mr. Pink. I, Just I, fantastic. Right on the button. Right on the button. Uh, uh, I think that, that they could have had almost anyone play Nice Guy Eddie. Yeah. Uh, because while he was a main character, they wanted someone, I think, who even looked like he might be the son of Joe. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, I mean, that was important. So, Eddie Bunker, Mr. Blue, mm-hmm. was actually a career criminal. He was uh, interviewed about like the movie, and he said, you know, this was not realistic. If all of us were dressed in the same suits and went out to breakfast before we did a heist, that's an idiot thing to do. Yeah, why would recognize Why you. would you do that? Um, but he, he was a career criminal prior uh, to his life uh, in, of acting getting mm-hmm. after getting out of jail. Um, so... Uh, when Tarantino and Bender were trying to get the project off the ground, they were in an acting class, and, and somebody who was connected to that uh, was connected to Harvey Keitel, mm. who read the script and loved it and said, I want to be in the movie, and I'm going to get you a bunch of a- other actors. Perfect. And They who brought in Chris Penn, Michael yep. Madsen, and some other big names. Who then all worked for nothing. Because there was no budget. <laughs> uh, Steve Buscemi wore his own pants. And so did Chris Penn. That jacket was his. <laughs> it's his, his tracksuit. It was his tracksuit. Well, that's, by the way, earlier we were talking about the, 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 you go through who did costumes, who did this. And a person did costumes. Every time I read that, that this person did the costumes, they also did this other movie. And I'm like going, they didn't have a lot to do in they this movie. Yeah. They really didn't. I mean, They're like, are you guys wearing pants? Yeah. I'll make sure that all the suits have the same skinny tie. So, uh, so um, Tarantino was talking to Charlie Rose about uh, uh, Terry Gilliam was gave him some pointers and advice at one of the film festivals and sat down to Tarantino and said, Hey, youngster, 
uh, let me tell you how it goes. And he said, uh, well, Quentin, you have to understand, as a director, you don't have to do that. Your job is to hire talented people who can do the things for you. You hire a cinematographer who can get the kind of quality you want, a talented costume designer, designer who can give you the colors you need, the flamboyance or not that you want. Your job is articulating to them what you want on screen, and then all of a sudden, the whole mystical shaman mystic thing that I thought directing was just went boom. And then I realized, I can do that. I just describe what I want. I know what's in my head. I have one experience directing a play for stage. Yeah. And I had read this little note about Reservoir Dogs. about this. Uh, I don't know if it was about Reservoir Dogs, but it was certainly about Tarantino listening to advice from an experienced director. And I thought to myself, that's what all I have to do. I've picked the three actors... I just have to tell them what I want to see. And if I change my mind, just paint a picture for them. Yeah. And it really does work that way. Yeah. I'm not saying that the play I did was fantastic, but it was a lot of fun. And I didn't have to do a whole lot of, no, no, don't do that, do this kind of thing. Just paint the picture. Paint the picture, that's Get it. Get the right people, paint the picture, right? That's it. Yep. Tim Roth said it was so hot while filming this that the he would... Uh, the pool of fake blood he was lying in would glue him to the floor. <laughs> that makes sense. Uh, we all also we already mentioned about Mr. Blonde is Vic Vega, Vince yeah. Vega's brother. Yeah, John Travolta, John Travolta's um, character's brother. Another connection to Tarantino universe. They're chatting about Pam Greer in the car, mm-hmm. uh, and later on he would spotlight her in Jackie Brown. And there was a reference to Ving Rhames' character from Pulp Fiction, Marcellus. Marcellus. Something about they were in the office. He goes, "Oh no, he was doing something for Marcellus, or he did yeah. a job for Marcellus, or whatever." And later on, reverse in Pulp Fiction, the Wolf, Mister Wolf, call, says that he's got to talk to Joe, or he calls and talks to Joe, which is likely Joe, Joe Cabot. Yep. Uh, in here, uh, they're also on the radio. Five dollar milkshake is uh, is talked about mm-hmm. on the K Billy Super Sounds of the '70s show as voiced by s- comedian Stephen Deadpan. Comedian yeah. Stephen Wright. Right. Um, and uh, Buscemi has a role in Pulp Fiction as a waiter. And some people uh, guess whether or not he is, his character, Mr. Pink, escaped and now is on the lam and working as a waiter after all that no tipping thing <laughs> that went on. Um, the, uh, and then also the character of Alabama Whitman, played by Patricia Arquette in True Romance, which is not directed by Tarantino, but the screenplay was written by Tarantino, mm-hmm. uh, is referenced in Reservoir Dogs when Mr. White mentions a work working with a girl called Alabama. So, down to the votes. All right. Uh, as of this moment. As of this moment. As far as we know... There are uh, four yeses, uh, April Hawkins, Brad Hawkins, Adam, Cromacho, 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 and uh, Mr. Kyle Brown. Tip of the hat to you, Mr. Brown. Tip of the hat. Uh, There are three no's, Jeremy Clifford, Matthew Wade, and Brandon Folk. We don't know about Rachel and Nathan Plentinga, and we don't know about the guest voter. We don't know yet. Mr. Plaid, that's you, sir. Yeah. Now, if you've been listening to this, you probably heard that I was more positive than negative on the film. So okay. I'm probably well, on but, the fence, but, but you, you don't run know the numbers where. To know if you were yeah. at four and a half or below, and then whether the X factor would bump it. The Facebook poll is at seventy-five to yes, three to no, four, four who haven't seen it, four and notes. ten who need to rewatch. And now it's four no's because Mr. Miggity Mac has put his no in I did. on the poll. I but did. because 75 people have said yes, yeah, it's, it still a yes. it's still a yes. Now listen, those of you that would listen to this and say, why would Miggity Mac, why would Mr. Green say no? I think I've clarified most of that. Yeah. I really like this movie. I think it's a great movie. And on a number scale, out of five, you'd give it a... I would, I would basically give it a four and a half, but here's my problem. For me, the... The best of its genre, X-Factor concepts, kind of bring it a smidge down. Yeah. A scotch below four and a half. A jot, a tittle, and a peck. And I happen to agree with the, the, the discussion, with the with the comment that you referred to from the... Jeremy from Clifford. Jeremy Clifford's about the music. Yeah. Uh, I, I like the music in the movie, but the music did telegraph the story and the music wasn't on its yeah. own. 
Now, so, and I'm going to be, I'll just tell you in advance, I'm going to be on the other side of the fence. This is and, not uncommon. And, and be a yes. But what I can say is that when you and I are on, we're, we're at both at like 4.5, but you lean one way, I lean the other. Uh-huh. That often means the council vote will often reflect that and be very close, very close. to a yes or a no vote. Yeah. Which what means Listen, is that... Listen, it just needs two more yeses and there's three votes outstanding, let's be honest. So we've got one, two, three, four, five. If I say yes, it's six, then we're down to Rachel and Nathan. Yep. Who then, if one of them says yes... Then that's it's it. in. Yeah. If both of them say no, it's not. It's not. So once so that's again, where we're at. Rachel and Nathan get to decide the fate of Reservoir Dogs. If it doesn't make it in, it's not up to Mr. Green no, here. It's, it's Rachel, it's Rachel and, and, Nathan's and Nathan's fault. fault. Uh, and because Rachel had nominated the Godfather, she's in good graces with everyone. Yeah. So if it doesn't get in, it's really Nathan's fault. Even you know, if he, you know, like if even if both of them vote no. It's more Nathan's fault than Rachel's. And, and I'm just going to, like, it's, I'm going to say that. No, I have no, to. No, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I'm not arguing with you in any way. You, you're biting, literally biting your tongue. <laughs> literally biting your tongue. I don't know no. what you're talking about. No. So, uh, it's not actually literally Nathan's fault. No, but of course I just, not. Because Jeremy Clifford, yeah. Matthew Wade, Brendan yeah. Folk all said no. I mean, no, it's, yeah. it's why we have a council here. That's why we have a council. So... Uh, but I think this kind of reflects the tension or ambivalence that comes with this particular film. Is that it's right, like it is something that is not, it's not The Godfather. It's not. It's not all in because it's The God, like it's not The Godfather. It's not everyone's like, oh, 100% yes. Right. It's also not on the other side of things like The English Patient, which would be 100% no. Or The Englishman that went up a hill and came down a mountain. Four weddings and a funeral? <laughs> Brad, Unfortunately, you, the breakfast club. When Brad was telling us which movie was going to be, originally he, he said it was going to be The English Patient, and I was like, oh, no! We're going to have to ruin a whole weekend and watch it twice. Oh, no! <laughs> the uh, other people might love The English Patient, but oh. it is it is not I'm not saying it's a horrible movie, but yeah. it's not one I want to watch. No. How about Four Feathers? Also hard to watch, if you ask me. Anyway... Anywho, anywho, uh, so that's that's our thoughts on the matter. Uh, this will bring us to our closing time. Any final thoughts that you have on this, the nomination, anything else that you'd like to change? I about? feel like I have blown my load. You you have all over the table, and we'll have to clean that up. Later. Nope, that's Brad's problem. No, that's Brad's problem. Um, the uh, and I'll just uh, say a final thought. I appreciated this nomination. I haven't. I have not revisited this movie in a while. It has been a while for me. So going back, it was fun to go back and watch the movie. I will say. I will add one thing. Mm. I enjoyed watching it this last time even more than the time before. Yeah. And I never hated watching this movie. It's never been like, oh God. Uh, I, there have been movies. Uh, Played around 2049. I was not looking forward to rewatching that movie because I felt like it was going to be super slow. Mm-hmm. But uh, but I did like it in the end. This one, I knew I was going to like it and I was hoping to find new things, which I did. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. And I, at I, 99 I minutes, it's not a lot of not nope. a lot of time. Nope. All right, you can watch two of these. And still not have watched The Godfather. Let's play that one. You can watch this twice, and you still got another half hour to go on Seven Samurai. So, uh, as always, I hope everyone enjoyed tonight's conversation. Where can Videoland find you, Mr. Green? On the Facebooks. How about you, Mr. Plaid? Same place. I'm there. That's where, on the Facebooks. You can find also Adventures in Videoland on Instagram on adventuresinvideoland.com where there's a lot of cool information. There is. But the conversation always begins and ends on Facebook. So you've been listening to Criticism in its Finest Hour. Until next time, Videolanders. Dick, 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 dick. How many dicks is that? Nine. I mean, a lot. A lot. No, it was nine. It was like, if you want to go nine. back, it's nine digs if nine. you want to count them. There were nine. Uh, I don't think we should end on that. No, nope, you don't want to end on that. How this about week? this? Wait. We, we love, love you. you.